it's your old pal Slim, and this is 70mm, a podcast for film fans just like you. With me, as always, is my close friend and artist, Danny Haas. Hello. And our close friend and movie insider, Protolexis. This episode brought to you by Man Traps. Have a client that wants to kill you? Put him in a man trap. (laughs) Every episode is connected to a theme for that month. And this time, it's one million month. We've chosen movies from the (laughs) one million watch club from Alexander on Letterboxd. uh, Movies that have been logged one million times. Watched by a million people on Letterboxd. And Proto's pick, Uncut Gems from 2019. And you can use the chapters in your podcast app to skip right to that discussion. Grace joined our Patreon this week. Oh. And our Discord, I believe. She's here Grace in chat too. right now? Yeah. Let me read their one-star review. Oh, my God. Logging this at the 50-minute point because I just don't care and I want this to be over. Maestro. <laughs> <laughs> no, Uncut Gems. Please. All right, Danny bashed Midstro, so I don't have to. We're getting in the swing of things. Yeah, let you uh, do it. First of all, back to the man trap. How do you even get out of that building? Right? What do you mean? Doesn't someone have to press the button to open the doors? Do you have? Both is there doors. like a key system that I didn't see in the movie? Are you being serious right now? How you didn't see get the out? button system. How do they get out? The, the employees also they either have a key or they have like a, a card. There's at one point, Julia, she uses it to get out. But How did the, do you think the, the uh, we'll get into it. Save it. <laughs> save, <laughs> the, what you, is happening? Save, save the question I was about to ask, self. Losing. I was crunching the numbers before we got into the studio and sat down. Mm-hmm. It's almost four years exactly since we recorded our Good Time episode. Oh my God. Wow. February 6th. Do you believe? So we're back. What was that after like episode two, three? Three. Oh my the gosh. Abyss, 1917, and Good Time. You know? What a time. Horse girl. So we're back after all this time to honor Adam Sandler once and for all. Yeah. To settle the score. Adam or Danny's favorite actor, Adam Sandler. Okay. <laughs> Your favorite artist's favorite actor. <laughs> Pump the brakes, you too. Uh, I'm excited to talk Adam Sandler later in the show. We do have some business to get through first. Always got mm. some business at the top of the show. Uh, I just want to rem- remind folks, if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, we released an hour-long look back at what we watched in December. And it was available for free and paid patrons. A lot of new folks took advantage of that episode, mm. if, I could be, if I can be frank with you. Uh, I'm not going to rattle off all the free members that signed up this week, but I will mention the paid members. Hugh Jass, Karen, Jake, Grace, Paul, Edgar, Jean, Taryn, and Eamon all joined this week at access to the VHS Village Discord. Uh, Discounts on Danny's Prince for joining our Patreon. And there's a Hunger Games episode that was recorded this week. It could be right around the corner. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) It's in the can. You, you, our patrons will be getting it real soon. You didn't edit it yet. 
It's done. Yeah, it was you done. Uh, it? it was done a couple days ago. Yeah. Why don't you tell me? Because I don't want to rush you. You're a busy I guy. I haven't even done uncut gems art yet. You're doing like teaser art for your big stay at Disney. Yeah. Take when is that, time. by the way? You're, you're signing at Disney. February 9th through the 12th. Oh, Epcot. I'm so glad I remember to plug that. And you're you're there for a few days, but it's a very tight window. So if any of our Floridian <laughs> yeah, friends want to visit Danny, it's like a, only maybe two hours a day. I know, right? You're signing? They like drive me up in like a golf cart. Mr. Haas, here you go. Yeah, they whisk you away. Yeah. What do you got? What do you got planned in Florida when you're there? At, at is it Epcot? Epcot, uh, new print release, which is awesome. I can say that uh, Ahsoka season one print that I worked on <gasps> releasing. Um, and then other than that, after the two hours, I'm just gonna grab a camera and walk the parks oh and God. hang out. Maybe do some work in the hotel room. What kind of watch are you gonna be wearing? <sighs> I don't know what to flex. I really don't know. Yeah. Probably stick with the Casio. Good um, choice. Maybe the Moon Swatch. Depends on what color I'm wearing that day. Oh. What are you wearing right now? You I, took watch? My, I took my watch off earlier. Cut the stream? <laughs> Cut it? Start over? So if you're in Florida Sorry. around February, check Danny's IG for deets to go visit your dear friend, Danny. Your friend and mine. What did you watch this week? Um, let me see. I well, I I'm watching through, um, rewatching all the Star Wars movies right now. To I have a lot of work I need to be working on this year, so I needed to get a little bit of inspiration. Uh, I've, I've watched both the original trilogy now and this prequel trilogy, and this week I just started the sequels and watched um, Force Awakens. Probably the first oh time in a while. Dang. My um, God! Yeah, it's 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 still it's still the Force Awakens. It's it's, a, it's still a banger. I'll say it for you. Still, you can uh, say it. Still a banger. I gave it five stars. It's it is still a banger. It's 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 weird to watch it knowing that the next two movies feel like easily two of the most controversial movies in my like world. Mm-hmm. Uh, still at this point, argued. Yeah. Both of them are argued from. Both sides of the camps. At this They're point. inarguably argued constantly. Right, correct. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to rewatching Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker soon. Proto, when was the last time? When was the last time Proto watched um, the sequel trilogy? Sequels. Uh, I think I might have watched them two years ago. Yeah, The Force Awakens. It is such like a safe movie. You remember coming it's out of that safe, feeling yeah. like that was a nice. Like, yeah. you know, retread of Star Wars, mm-hmm. had a good time. Everybody had a good time. Little did we know. I remember when I went to go see it, I remember some of my coworkers at the time, they were viscerally angry. Really? At Force Awakens. Oh. Saying how it was just a retread. It's the same movie. They were angry. They're angry at it being a Star Wars movie. Yeah. I, I, br- I brushed them aside. Yeah. I don't want to hear from you anymore. Do they not rewatch movies? You know you're watching the, the same movie you've seen before if you rewatch a movie. But Empire's the Is best. Is that an argument? I don't know if that the argument The Empire sense, stands <laughs> yeah. out in full force. What else you got this week, Dan? Well, let's talk Maestro. Um, Get into it. I watched Uncut last night, and then I decided to you know, chase it with Maestro. Right Um and I, I really enjoyed it. I had a good time watching it. I think um, I, if Bradley said 
I'm going to hang up this acting business and start directing full, like full bore. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd support it. I think mm-hmm. he's really good. I think the direction in this film is really well done. My, I think one of my biggest problems is I didn't realize how, um, I don't know. I don't know what the word is. Uh, colorful, I guess, Leonard's life was mm. uh, in a way that it doesn't feel like it's fleshed out well enough story-wise. There's there's like, it kind of rushes through from um, him getting like his first big call up to um, kind of like the end times of his life. Not end times, but... So it, it there's like a lot that skipped over that I feel like um, emotional storytelling would have been really well done with him and Carrie... Carrie's uh, like first build. So is she the lead of the film? No, I mean, Leonard is the lead. I'm not sure why she's first build. Maybe, I don't know, politics with movies, but mm-hmm. she's amazing in it. But I just wanted a little bit more. I think I want a little bit more of them two in the film. But I think, I don't know. I don't know much about Leonard to know how much of a caricature Bradley was playing of him. But I did watch, there's an amazing moment in the film uh, where he's doing one of the symphonies in a cathedral. And I watched the actual uh, Leonard performance of that. And Bradley kind of nails it. I mean, he really nails the the conducting style of of Leonard. And mm-hmm. um, I was just kind of impressed with that whole sequence. So I gave it four stars. I really, I really did enjoy this film. I didn't think it was as bad as a lot of people have kind of panned it. Um, but I mean, for a directorial, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's his debut, but I think Bradley I think this is a lane that Bradley could easily go down and make some absolute bangers. Remember, he did a Star Is Born that feels like a lifetime ago. <clears throat> we could. I didn't see a Star Is Born. I didn't you couldn't. Really want to. You couldn't exist on this planet. I know. Watching movies without hearing about a Star Is Born. Yeah. Part of your thoughts on a Star Is Born. I'm off the deep end. <laughs> watch as I dive in. I'll never hit the ground. Lady Gaga, marry me. <laughs> you gave Maestro three stars, Proto. Yeah, I think you said similar yeah. things. You wanted a little bit more about Lenny. Yeah, I mean, he is such a colorful character. I agree with what Danny's saying, but it felt like it was almost purposefully like held back in certain mm-hmm. places where it would, like, it was like there was something lying underneath like maybe a subtext, but, and you wanted it to go there, but it really never did. It felt yeah. like a Wikipedia version of someone's life rather than the, uh, you know, the sourced material. Are you going to mm. give it a chance? Slim? No, I, I don't have a um, strong desire. If I need to do it for some letterbox related, uh, we'll make some project, calls. then, then I'll, I'll probably fire it up, but um, it's my next pick, by the way. Oh, <laughs> get the heck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Musicals month. Volume two. We did musicals month already. It's not right? a musical. <laughs> it's not <laughs> tangentially music related month. Composers month. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, by the way, uh, I, I called out Grace's review at the top of the show. I meant to say that Grace won the free year of patron for that oh, review. There you go. Do I want to talk about anything that I watched? Skipping right over Proto. Changing it up. Thank Got you. It. Because Proto's been grinding. I watched the Hunger Games. If uh, folks want to hear our thoughts, you can you can listen to that episode. Become a patron. It's going to be right around the corner. 
amazing episode. I watched Anatomy of a Fall. I think someone asked if oh, I had yeah. seen that. Yes. Very good. Very good. Sandra Hewler. Where's that streaming at right now? Uh, it's a perch, my friend. Okay. Got it. It is, I'm not sure. Do you guys know anything about it? Like the plot? I know nothing about it. I think I saw a trailer, but. I think I watched the trailer when it first dropped, but it's vague in my mind. The the buzz is about like a dog doing well in it. The the palm dog. Um, but it's, a woman is suspected of her husband's murder and their blind son faces a moral dilemma as the sole witness. So it, it starts the- out with Sandra like conducting an interview in their home. Her husband, they're going through some things, is like renovating a floor upstairs. Uh, the this, this, this son who I don't think is 100% blind, he's partially blind. He takes the dog out for a walk. He comes back. His dad is outside of the house lying in the snow, dead and and bleeding. And he yells for his mother. The mother comes out. She sees what has happened. And then a trial, you know, an entire process happens because as the viewer, you don't know what happened. So it's left to you to kind of view her talking to her lawyer, hearing from the son what he, what he remembers, you know, in, the, in those moments. Uh, and then a trial proceeding that takes place. So you're kind of there almost like as a juror to piece together what potentially happened. So it's like a courtroom drama. I thought the courtroom aspects was so fascinating. I mean, I guess any courtroom outside of the US is weird and like Mm. very strange Mm. how it's conducted. So that part was cool. It's, it's, she speaks in English, but there's also French. Um, I actually thought it was like all subtitled at first, but it it does like a weird mix that I thought was pretty fascinating. Um, Very good. Any powdered wigs on the judges? You'll have to watch to find out. Part of oh, dang! Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, there's the dog in it is very good. I, I, there's the one aspect I didn't like is there's like a realistic scene that the dog portrays oh, no. that I just feels like there's like a trigger warning for dog owners that have ever had to do anything with your dog. I actually did not like the scene at all. The dog was acting. Um, it was just like too real. So there's like a slight trigger warning for dog owners. But other than that, very good. Proto, what else? What did you watch? Let's hear from you. Yeah, I had a I had a big uh big week. You know, I'm trying to start the year off strong. Um and I have to give an update on the Criterion Challenge of 2024. You know, I'm doing this. It's 52 movies from the Criterion. It's not too late to join if you're out there and want to do it. Just look it up on the uh, letterbox. There's a list that explains how everything works. Um, And so it's supposed to be one movie a week. I've watched four. Jeez. Slow down. I have January already done. Um, You might watch more movies in a week than I have all year so far. You know, I was thinking about this earlier, but this is like, this is, you know, it's a marathon. This is like me being hot stuff out of the gate, sprinting to start. <laughs> and at some point, here comes old Slim. You're just going to be banging out that 5.2 movies a week for the whole year. <laughs> and that'll be that. So, uh, but what did I watch? Um, so from that, from the Criterion Challenge, I watched Harold and Maude. Yeah. Oh. Which is from 1971. Uh and I had a great time with this. I gave it four stars. Um, it's about this guy, Harold. He's a young adult who lives with his very wealthy mom. Uh, and they have a strained relationship. He 
is a very odd character. He kind of uh, fakes his own death in front of her uh, all the time to the point where she doesn't even bat an eye. Um, <laughs> so he's kind of like a lost soul at this point in his life. And he ends up finding this character, Maud, who's this woman who's about to turn 80, and they become uh, friends. It kind of reminded me of like almost like a Wes Anderson type story. Um, just in how like the quirk, how quirky it is. Uh, you know, it's dark humor, but I found it mm-hmm. extremely funny. Uh, I had a I had a great time watching this. It also has a, a, a soundtrack by Cat Stevens um, that goes so well with the movie. Mm. Yeah, I love I love that movie. I watched it for the first time. I think because it was a Letterbox Show pick, I was like blown away by it. So good. Yeah. I, I do want to point out. You know, you need to lo- be able to log 10 movies for your stats page to load. I can't even look at my stats yet for 2024 because I haven't watched Gosh. 10 movies yet. Mm. Proto's stats page does load, folks. I'll just I'm say loaded. that much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then for the Criterion, I also watched a movie called The Magician, which is an Ingrid Bergman movie from mm. 1958. I had never heard of this, but I was so intrigued by the synopsis. Um where uh, Max von Sydow plays this, uh, in the 19th century, plays this magician, kind of like um, pseudo-scientist character, and he's staying at someone's house. Um, well, he's like, he, he's traveling, and he comes, I think he comes into a different country, and he's kind of intercepted by the governor and, like, the police chief, and they bring him in, they know what he does, and they want to test him to, like, prove that what he does is, like, that he's a fraud, Mm-hmm. So they bring him into the house. Um, and that's kind of like the setup. And I was like, dang, like I was all over this. Um, it, I mean, it looks incredible. It has like Bergman's, uh, you know, use of black and white. It just looks yeah. so good. Uh, and it kind of has a long setup. It's like an hour setup. And, and, you know, I was hoping that the payoff of him, the actual performance would really kill it. But it was okay. It, it didn't really blow me away. And I guess that's probably why I never heard of it. Because it's just kind of, I think leaves a lot to be desired at the end of it. This this poster is this a Criterion poster? It's pretty insane. Yeah. I oh, love it is Criterion. Poster. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god. Frightening. Almost as frightening as that guy's beard in the backdrop. What's that's this guy? What's that's that? Max von Sydow with a, a disguise on. <laughs> you mean to tell me this beard is fake? <laughs> oh my god. Poor guy. Is it time to honor? Uh, the King Adam Sandler and discuss uncut gems once and for all. Four years in the making. New Criterion release out and about. That's the disc that I watched. I want to give major props to my Xbox Series X for not taking a dump during any scenes like it did for Raging Bull. Mm. God. It's a disaster. Disastrous feeling for that movie. That 4K. Um, this is uh, Proto's pick for one million month. We're only choosing movies from the one million watch club list from Alexander on Letterboxd. Uh, Proto, what's this movie about? God, how about that score playing behind us right now? God. Untouchable score. I was listening to it earlier today. Just let it wash over you. (sighs) Howard Ratner is a successful jeweler working in New York City's Diamond District. 
Howard lives life fast, making risky business decisions to fuel his gambling addiction. He purchases a black opal from Africa with the hopes of selling it to Kevin Garnett for a million dollars. KG needs it after he peers into it and feels its power. Meanwhile, Howard owes a lot of money to his brother-in-law, Arno, who has hired some thugs to make sure Howard pays up. Howard is trying to settle his debts, but with each turn, he digs himself a deeper hole. But can Game 7 Celtic Sixers, KG with the opal in hand, three-way parlay, finally be the payoff that sets him free? This is how he wins. Uncut Gems. This is him chuckling, imagining and hearing again Sandler saying KG with like his bottom jaw just kind of like hanging like KJ. Yeah, (laughs) because his teeth are hanging out every scene. KG. Oh my God. Danny, what was the first Adam Sandler movie you've ever seen? And, and, And how was that experience for you? It has to be Happy Gilmore, right? I don't think there's anything before that that I would have seen. Um, and I know you're trying to throw me under the bus here. No, this with is... my uh, not love of Adam, but um, yeah, it has to be a Happy Gilmore. And I, I remember at the time because I was so young, not like kid young, but teenager. Uh, yeah, it was like the funniest thing in our friends group. That and Billy Madison was probably quoted, um, you know, an un- ungodly amount of times. Yeah. You know, if peeing your pants is cool, I'm Miles Davis. Like that line, <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like we've said that line a million times. Doesn't the one teacher like rub her chest with his <laughs> snotty tissue at one yeah. point too? Remember that? <laughs> oh, God. Um, and then I just kind of fell out of love with those kind of movies and comedy. And you grew up? No, yeah, probably. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I feel like yeah, probably. My I just kind of grew out of Happy Madison Productions. Mm. Kurtz is in chat. I feel like Kurtz and I probably watched Happy Gilmore mm-hmm. on loop back in the day. So I was 13 when it first came out, but that was a tape, a DVD, what, whatever the hell format it was on, constantly. I mean, Shooter McGavin was one of the best characters in Easily cinema. Easily the best cinematic villain ever created. <laughs> like, I rewatched Happy Gilmore this year, uh, and it still maintains five-bang status. Wow. I gave it the old, this movie changed my life letterbox review, so you know it's real. Oh. Uh, I think Hap, Hap, Billy Madison, I, I'm not sure which was the first. I want to say Happy Gilmore was the first, so I would have been 13 or something. But then I went back to watch Billy Madison, and Billy Madison... I didn't love as much. And then, I mean, you go down, you talk about a filmography, The Wedding Singer, soon yeah. after. That I think I had the same exact review for that movie. That movie changed my life. <laughs> Five stars. Um, and then I think I started to fall off a little bit. I didn't love Waterboy. And then he does The Big Daddy, Little Nicky. And then you know, he, he goes on. Waterboy was big for us here in Orlando because it was filmed a lot here. 
at our uh, Citrus Bowl stadium. I think I said in one of the shows, I remember a bunch of kids skipping school because you got paid 50 bucks uh, to go sit in the stadium while they were filming that day, one of the the games. And then like Whoa. his mama's house, I think was built on one of the studio sets here at Universal Studios Lando. The whole mm. like Bayou house. Part of, do you remember? Mm. Way back when? I think it might have been Billy Madison. Um but it could have been Happy Gilmore. It was one of those. But I, I didn't see them when they came out. It, w- it would have been a few years later. Definitely, and I don't know why, but for the, the movie I've seen the most of Adam Sandler, Sandler is definitely Mr. Deeds. I don't Mr. know why, Deeds. but I feel like me and my friend, we would just put this on all the time. So I feel like I've seen that five or six times. Is he like a rich guy in that one or something? Some I'm like, I honestly don't even re- really remember. I think he is like a rich guy. <laughs> I'm looking at his page in Letterboxd. Eight Crazy Nights. I feel like I had a, a run rewatching that movie for some reason. Anger Management. Um, and then obviously Punch Drunk Love. Punch Drunk Love is one of my favorite movies. That was his first, Changed I guess, the game. memorable foray into acting the capital A, I guess. PTA. <laughs> um, what about Punch Drunk Love with you, Danny? Do you have any thoughts no, on I Punch Drunk Love? No, I never saw it. <clears throat> I think I'd already fallen out of love with Adam um, by that point. I don't think he, I don't think I saw anything of his past wedding singer. I think wow. I don't, I've never I'm not seen anything that Spanglish. he's done. No, I think like Uncut dates. Gems was probably no. I didn't see Fifty First Dates either. I just didn't care. Like I was so fallen out of love with him and that style of I mean him alone, but just never went. Deuce Bigelow, male gigolo. Rob Schneider is a Wait, is that, where he, <laughs> is that where he does like a ton of coke from us? And like he says, I should buy a boat. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Part of your thoughts on Punch Drunk Love? I remember that. That movie, I haven't seen it since my first viewing. Um, so it's probably been like 20 years, but I remember being floored by that movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, Adam Sandler month? (laughs) That could be huge. I was talking to someone, it might have been on the Letterboxd show, about how Punch Drunk Love and, I guess, American Beauty were movies for people of a certain age that were like, I guess maybe like you discovered that movies could be films. Yeah. Like there's something more than I've seen and like I'm able to connect with on a different level. And that's what kind of like Punch Drunk Love was. I think I was still working at West Coast at the time that came out. And I think that was my first PTA as well. Mm. God, everything changed after that. Yeah. PTA month when. Oh my God. You Wow, we could do Boogie Nights. Phantom Thread. The Master. Mm. Licorice Pizza. There Will Be Blood. All right, passed. Danny has passed on <laughs> Sorry, everybody. We tried our best. It'd be fun to do a like theme vote on Patreon. Maybe we put forth like four themes and oh, see what a theme wins. Vote. That's a like a PTA idea. month and something else. Figure something we could else put out. PTA up right when we do uh, Oppenheimer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uncut gems. We talked about how. You know, I wish I had time to go back to our good time episode because I believe around that run of this early goings of the show, we had watched, I think we had watched Uncut Gems when we were talking about it. 
It's the whole reason probably why we did Good Time in the first place. The other Safdie's movie, rest in peace to the Safdie brothers' working relationship. Um, Prada, do you want to start us off? We'll go uh, around the room. We'll, we'll drop some notes that we had written down, and we'll come up with our final letterbox rating to end our discussion. Yeah, my first point, it's really Adam Sandler and how he is just on a different level in this movie. Um, and I, I think he's great in dramatic roles, like in Punch Drunk Love, I think he's fantastic. I think what also helps in this is just like this role was like made for Adam in so many ways. Because you see like the seriousness and the drama that he had in Punch Drunk Love and combined with his personality and just like his mannerisms and the way he speaks. And it just like, it's just like a perfect mixture for like, it's like the Safdie brothers like made this character in a lab for Adam. <laughs> um, and just the, the, his performance, it just, it's so convincing of just how consumed he is by by, you know, if it's his gambling or just his business or whatever's on his mind. Um, maybe my favorite scene of the movie is when he's back at home watching that first Celtics Sixers game on the TV and his wife is telling him to go say goodnight to his son. Just the way, like, he can't get himself off the couch, like, he can't tear his eyes away from the TV. Like, it almost, it's so good, like, I forget that he's even acting. It's it feels yeah. like someone's just recording a guy's life in those yes. scenes. It's so amazing. Yeah, it's it's crazy to me that he didn't get an Oscar nomination for best actor. And I think he won the film independence beard award actor. So I, I had to go back to look to see who was nominated. Um mm. this was the Joker year. Yeah. Joaquin. Oh. Uh, also, Jonathan Price for The Two Popes was nominated. Antonio Banderas for Pain and Glory. Uh, Danny, cover your ears. Leonardo DiCaprio for Once Upon a Time. And, okay, <laughs> take your hands off me. your ears. Adam Driver for Marriage Story and Joaquin. So that was that was the nominated group. No Adam. It makes me honestly sick that he didn't get at least nominated. I think he could have won. But at least a nomination. Yeah. Come on. Oh, for sure. I would have put him ahead of like all, like maybe tied with Leo and Joaquin. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the fact that he's not nominated is insane. Makes me. It makes me ill. Yeah, you're right. He does feel like a like a genetically created character that we're seeing on screen. That's how good he is in this role. Let me just posit a theory. What's her? Timothy Chalamet in this role. <laughs> Goddamn. Wait, what? <laughs> I don't even. <laughs> it could. It, that's the one role he couldn't have worked. It had to be Adam. <laughs> we finally found it after 200 episodes. God, the way I look at uh, Adam in this is like how I looked at when I saw like Robin Williams's first like serious role. Mm. Like I know I know Adam yeah. has done other serious stuff in front of this, but it I never watched any of it. But when I saw like Robin do like you know Goodwill Hunting or something, it kind of like changed everything for how I looked at him. And this film did for sure did that for me to uh, Adam Sandler. It he, he just, I can't get over how he carries himself in this film too. It doesn't even feel like, um, 
it's like when it, it's it's it, he just disappears into this role and he's not Adam anymore. I know there's moments where like his mannerisms like come out of like how he's talking, but I still like I lose myself in Howie and I forget that it's Adam and it's such an incredible performance that it does kind of make me mad that it wasn't celebrated more because mm-hmm. I don't think anyone you listed off, even Joaquin should have beat Adam in this performance. No. Listen, anyone can lose 60 pounds and play the Joker. Okay, anyone can do that. (laughs) I don't want to argue that, but I do do agree. I think Adam is just next level in this film. Mm -hmm. This does feel like a perfectly concocted character for him to play. And it's just, and also my knowledge of not seeing his, his like uh, his serious roles is also kind of threw me in this too. Yeah, the final like act of him where he does have that like breakdown and Julia comes into the room and he's crying. He's like, I'm so fucked up. <laughs> like, it's oh it's so amazing. I remember being like gobsmacked when I had first seen the movie and that scene happened. Don't look at me. What the fuck happened to you? Don't look at me, please. I don't know what I'm thinking. I don't know what everybody's not ever going right. I know. I'm so fucked up. I'm so fucked up. And then also when he is talking to KJ, um, (laughs) that final conversation, he's got the sunglasses on and he's talking about how they're both winners. I just had that feeling that like, oh my God, this scene is so iconic. And I I think I said that a few. (laughs) (laughs) Like he is ascending in this scene when he is looking at the the lines and he's telling KG he could do it and he he does the bet. I mean, also the writing from the Safties in that moment where he has the money to get out of trouble. Yes. And he sees the potential to win even bigger and it's like not even a question in his mind. He's just like a second where he thinks about it and it's happening. Elton Brand's fucking neck. Come on, KG. This is no different than that. This is me. All right? I'm not a fucking athlete. This is my fucking way. This is how I win. All right? All the fucking hard work I do, all the fucking ass kicking and the dues I pay, you're not going to score on the big one on game seven? Fuck these people, right? That's how you feel. I know you do. So look. Let's fucking bet on this. Let's bet on this shit. I'm fucking gonna get all this money on you tonight. Yeah, there's something too about, I wonder if anyone has looked into this. Um, just how like, there's so many comedians that uh, translate so well to dramatic roles. Like, Dana, you mentioned Robin Williams, but then even like Jim Carrey, um, yeah. Steve Carell, like there's just like comedians who start that way and then just get into drama and they're very good at it. I don't know if there's something about that background that just makes them, you know, like just, you know, go to the dramatic role so easily. But I feel like that's a a pretty common experience that we see in movies. I will say from a creative standpoint, when you do something for so long and you've, I'm not going to say master it because I don't think I've mastered anything. But when I've done a specific style of art for so long and I feel like I'm not getting much anywhere else with it. To pivot to a new style of art form is like so appealing to like go from digital to just grab a brush and start painting or doing something else. So I feel like with comedy, 
it has to get to a place where you've kind of mastered it and you've named people who have mastered comedy. So to, for them to pivot into like a, a serious role, Jim has done it. Robin did it. Adam has clearly done it. So I feel mm-hmm. like for them to like know that they're talent, uh, talented actors and to be able to pull it off, it's it just, I feel like they throw themselves into that kind of role more uh, from a creative standpoint. KJ, <laughs> you've mastered Apex. You've mastered something. <laughs> if I went to Fortnite, I've mastered that too now. <laughs> Listen, for those, you know, staying, keeping along, we, we've gone back to Apex back. and it feels nice We're right back. now. Okay, folks? That Final Fantasy event is pretty cool. Um, Jay Carp in chat calls out how this feels like golden era uh, for me. Seems like everyone's watching this December 2019, March 2020. That was like, I mean, looking back at the size of Letterboxd pre-pandemic and like early on, I feel like there was only 2 million members of, mm. of Letterboxd, you know, like early pandemic. And now it's at like 10 million. So that was mm. kind of like the heyday. I always view that as like the early days of Letterboxd, even though Letterboxd had been around for years by that point, but that's when like things really started to amp up. Yeah, you can almost pinpoint like when this like movie podcast kind of came onto the scene in January. You do the so math. When, you know? Yeah. You know, remember we said we were the first, we were the only movie podcast, right? So, yeah, how many are there now? Can you imagine someone going back to those early episodes and like hearing that bit? (laughs) (laughs) Like, what are they talking about? You're not the first. Finally, a podcast about movies. Hopefully, they got the joke. Uh, I'll go next. I just want to quickly touch on the music again. Yeah, Danielle Lopatin. I mean, from the onset, you start to realize like I'm in for something here with this movie and that music is pulsating. You have that weird intro, you know, the kind of like pseudo view of the universe slash colonoscopy. And the music is just like vibrating. It feels Mm. so, I don't know. It feels great to hear the music in this movie. And I made a snarky reply of, I made a snarky comment in my review about Daft Punk retire. Like you could never touch this, like get this Tron legacy business out of here. Jesus. Um, <laughs> that's that's the that's slim, slim talking. Yeah. That's slim. <laughs> I almost typed uh, Tron Legacy soundtrack is the Aragorn breaking foot of <laughs> movie scores. <laughs> but I thought better of it. But there's just this music. The music is pulsating the entire time. I love the music in this uh, movie from Daniel LaPatton. I don't know. I, I'm assuming you guys feel the same. Prado, what did you think? Yeah, I, I love it too. And I think of the things in this movie, you know, when people talk about it, they talk how like how it causes people anxiety to watch this. They're, you know, they're they're stressed out. Uh, you know, there's a lot of tension. There's so much chaos. I love that this score is like the opposite of that, layered over top of it. Mm. Um, and it kind of, you know, the the action and like the pace of the movie doesn't change, but like the score being layered on top almost kind of gives you the relief in a few moments you know if it's just seeing adam walking down the street for five seconds with this with the score playing behind it it gives you like a moment of rest just to kind of be like what did i just witness and it's like oh my god here we go again Mm -hmm. i'm walking down new york city with like that bright shirt unbuttoned (sighs) the lando shirt Mm. hot as hell I agree. I mean, I'm, there's not much more to say about this score. I think it's it's killer, and and I think there was like 
think I read there was a bunch of songs that he wrote with The Weeknd as well that were unreleased for the movie too, which I wish they would. I don't know if they've since released, but mm. um, it's just incredible. It's an incredible score. It's it's a it's a smart score because I feel like I feel like a different style score chain like probably f's this movie up. Mm-hmm. I loved when he was like, "What the fuck is The Weeknd?" <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was trying to figure out like when the weekend became a, th- like a thing. A, yeah, like Huge. when, like at this when this movie came. Like I have no idea. Well, of course at this time, but I guess you know when it's based. Like it's supposed to have happened 2012. in 2012, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Was the weekend like a? I guess he was kind of like up and coming at that time, maybe. Yeah, playing the small clubs. I have no idea. All I know about the weekend really is that he did the Super Bowl, and then he did that like HBO series that people dumped on. And they say oh, yeah. he's like the worst actor of all time. That's all I know. I mean, he does get his ass kicked by Adam Sandler in this. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Julia, what are you getting yourself into? Danny, what's the mm. uh, top of your list? Top of my list. I tried to figure out how to formulate this thought since I watched it. And I can't figure out how to say it correctly. So I'm just going to say that this is like one of the few, maybe just like one of the only films that um, the message, if that's that's not the right word, but like this film is perfectly portrayed. Like the feelings that I get watching this film, um, I as much as I hate how they make me feel, the stress, my blood pressure, I want to throw up. I can't get over how perfectly made this film is because it it that whole point comes across so clearly. Um, I'm stressed the entire time. I mean, he, I, we said the music's calm, but there are moments where I'm just like, I'm not, I'm trying to vibe, but I can't vibe because he's placed another bet and something else is going to happen. And I couldn't even for the life of me remember this story. I didn't remember what happened. I think that's how my body like completely forgot this film because mm-hmm. it really effed me up the first time. <laughs> and I can't get over Like I feel like this is a, a perfect example of having a concept and like fully fulfilling the art form to where your message has completely come across in a way that it viscerally affects people and the job is done. Like I can't get over it. I can't get over how this movie makes me feel. I read my first review. I forget what I said, but I just, I know how stressed I was. And when Adam or Howie, when he does the first like, takes the either the either KG's Celtics right. ring and he like whatever he does for the weekend he like puts it on floats for like he, yeah, he floats when, right when he floats it I'm like I'm gonna throw up I'm already stressed out and we're five minutes into this movie there. he immediately floats this <laughs> ring and then he floats that necklace he places the bet I, I'm like this whole movie I'm just I'm like I'm on the verge of throwing up and dying the sad part is when he was moving money around and he tries to like float the ring, I was like, this is, is this what I'm like with watches and hockey equipment? <laughs> I need to, I need to do a lot of soul searching right now. It's crazy. I can't get over it. And I've watched, I, I've since then being like on watch TikTok so much, there's so much action going on on 47th street where we were watching like these uh, people dealing these watches and I just can't get over this lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how I would live. No. I couldn't do it. Yeah, it would be uh, it would be impossible. My body would shut off. Yeah, like him going to that to the the Passover meal 
It's like, oh dude, you just got beat up by thugs and your brother-in-law who's at the table now with you. Yeah. And you're, you're acting like everything's honky dory to the point where he's going to start like messing with his brother-in-law at the, at the bathroom door too. Yeah. Like I would be in the fetal position in my bed. Like, just like, honey, I'm just, I'm going bankrupt in life. Like whatever I have to do, just put me in jail. Just get me out of this. Like, mm-hmm. I, yeah. How could you get up each day and go mm-hmm. to the office, walk down yeah. the street? It just seems impossible. <laughs> Yeah, the gambling addiction stuff was so crazy in this movie. So well done. I loved seeing when they like showed Arno at that table. Oh my god, the look, the way he can stare straight through Howie. Yeah, the looks at it. I mean, just sitting in that when he's locked up in the in the vestibule, and it, it's just that. I mean, every performance in this is Eric, just numbing. Eric Bogosian as Arno. So I. I remember like when this movie was happening, he was like kind of like a name, like it was a thing that he was in that role. Um, and then Paul just posted that photo. My God, you see this photo everywhere. I mean, you see screenshots of this movie everywhere. Yeah. Um, but I had eventually watched a movie with uh, Eric in it. Let me see if I can find it. I think it was, was it Talk to Me? Sorry, I dropped my page here. Bogosian. He was also in The, the Stuff, which I liked. Uh, Under Siege 2. Allegedly, and Jeez. yeah, Talk Radio was an Oliver Stone-directed movie in 1988. And he essentially plays like a Howard Stern character. It's a radio oh, really? station. It all takes place in ah. this like radio station environment. So I, I was pretty fascinated by it. It's a rude, contemptuous talk show host becomes overwhelmed by the hatred that surrounds his program just before it goes national. So seeing Eric's in like a totally different film, and he's really wild in the movie. It's definitely worth watching just to see kind of his range. He's super annoying in it. Um, Proto, next on your list. Imagine finding your significant other in the trunk of a car naked. <laughs> <laughs> I like that that whole sequence. I, I feel like I would be too ashamed to even call. Like I would just sit in there, pro- like I don't know. It's just so crazy. That he like that he's in this situation, and I love his wife's response to just kind of, you know, she sees him and it's like, oh, again, and it makes you wonder of like what has happened in the past with this guy yeah, <laughs> that she yeah. just sees that and just scoffs and turns around. But I remember that, and then um, uh, while I was watching this, I had like a flashback to when the first time I watched it because he there's a scene where he's like at the house and he's like taking trash out to the house. And because of that scene, I had like the sense in this movie that like anything could happen, like mm-hmm. anything was possible. Like I was thinking, is he about to get jumped while yes. taking the trash yes. out? Um, and being like on edge watching it the first time, like that was, it's such an, ex- like the first time you watch this movie, it just feels like anything is possible um, based on what happens before mm-hmm. it. Um, and it's, it's, it's a wild ride because of that. I remember thinking when he hands KG the container holding the opal. I remember thinking like, is it actually going to be in there? Mm. Like I remember something, some other shoe <laughs> was like about to drop where it was just going to get even worse for them. Because I mean, just the fact that the opal is changing hands so often and like missing for days, it's so stressful because you don't even know what's going to happen. Like, is he going to get this thing back? How about him? He, he tells his buddy, his associate to drive to Philly to talk to KG 
two hours off, like an off the cuff request to go drive to Philly for the practice. I'm going to sit in a car with him for two hours, presumably maybe even four hours if you had to take him home. Oh my God. And then doing a layup in the Sixers oh my gosh. facility. That's <laughs> <laughs> a layup. Yes. Also, I mean, the scene, you're talking about this, his wife, about how much she's been through. And he's like talking to her. He's like, you know, uh, you know, they kind of make it sound like they're, they have long decided to end their marriage. It's mm-hmm. over. But he like suggests that like, maybe we stick together. Oh man. You're the most annoying person I've ever met. <laughs> Oh my God. She says it like laughing in his face. Unreal. That's how much she's been through. Oh my God. And she didn't feel any part of her was bad when she said that to his face. Amazing. Yeah. That's Adina Menzel, right? Yeah. Queen. Queen. Adina Menzel. Yeah, the cast in this thing is like so perfect. Plus mm-hmm. using all the real like local jewelers, you know, and people that run those businesses in that area. I think my favorite scene with like just the locals was when he goes to get the ring back and it's like days after his, the the guy said he would hold it. He's like, Bobby, what's going on? Everything okay? And they're like, they're like actually concerned about his like well being. Mm-hmm. And he's yeah. like asking him how he's doing. I thought that was a great scene. They're, they were, they're real jewelers. Mm-hmm. Those two brothers. It's, I mean, the amount of people who were actually just people who were in the business. I mean, even the, the to two bodyguards to Arnold where I think were cast off the street. Wow. Yeah, I remember reading that it says that the Safdie brothers were like researching for 10 years for this movie. So I guess they were like, you know, in there and they got to know the people and like mm-hmm. the, that was part of their research. They get familiar. I would just wonder like what that whole process was like, you know, if like they were walking around and talking to these guys like, hey, we're planning on doing a movie. You have any interest in being in it? And like, how much did they know of like what they were getting into and like yeah. what it turned into? Mm-hmm. What's crazy is the the character of Howie is based off of their father, who was a jeweler in the Diamond District, oh. and then um, Adam's assistant initially turned down the role, and they gave it to Jonah Hill, and Jonah Hill was actually like Howie until Adam. Oh. Uh, became the uh, came back for the role, oh but I just I couldn't believe it being Jonah Hill. Not that I think Jonah's I think Jonah probably could have pulled it off fine, but uh, I, it's hard to imagine anybody besides Adam mm-hmm. in this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Danny, your second point. My second point, I I think um, Julia has to be brought up. I think she's incredible Please. in this. Um. Her ability to, I think, I know, I don't know much of her filmography. I think this is like one of the first things she's done. I know she, I watched an interview where she had said she was already, she was tied to the Safties like at the beginning mark, the 10, the beginning of the mm-hmm. 10 years, uh, and wasn't sure when she'd actually get the role. But, um, she also done a bunch of stuff like before acting. She's like model. I'm not surprised. She was, she put out a book of like her own photography. She did an art show. Hmm. So she had, had done a lot of things. Yeah. I really like, I, I liked her. Um, I don't know if range is the word, but I, I think she, um, from being like the girlfriend, but uh, the nightclub scene where she's arguing with him at the, at the taxi and how they make oh, up. Yeah. But at the end, when she's like laying that final bet, 
catching the bag through the windows over the thing, oh, and she's God. rushing to the Mohegan Sun. And uh, I just, she's great. Mm-hmm. I, but I think almost everyone out like that were, was cast in like a, a real speaking role, really just nails this, these performances. Like Lan Keith, mm-hmm. if he said, I don't think I say his name, but like everyone's amazing in this. About him watching her in the lingerie from the closet. He's typing the text message. <laughs> 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 oh my God. Yeah, she's incredible in this movie. I mean, how many people fell in love with Julia Fox when this movie came out? Like everyone? Everyone did. I mean, yeah. Until just just if you're listening to this podcast, just admit it to yourself right now. What happened in twenty nineteen or twenty twenty and beyond? She's incredible. Yeah, I love that. Uh, the yeah, the the club scene with them is so great. It's so chaotic. Of just like you, it makes me wonder, like, how do you even do a scene like that in the club and like spilling outside and their argument at the taxi is so good. I, I that's one thing I love about this movie. Also, is how there's so little that's explained to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the first time watching this, just being like, "Who is this guy that's hounding him for money?" Mm-hmm. You know, you, there's really nothing explained. And then even like the two thugs, like there isn't much explanation of of them or really so many, or even Julia. You don't realize Julia, it like works for him until she like shows up in the office like the one day and you're like, oh, that's his girlfriend that also works for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I love that when, uh, when stories are written that way, because it adds like this layer of mystery of like you're uncovering details. Um you know, as the the story unfolds. And that makes, I think, rewatches so valuable, but it also just adds like this spark of discovery throughout the movie as you watch it, as your like details are revealed. I think, you know, a, a lesser writer or director would kind of have a scene where it'd be like, oh, I need to call Julia my girlfriend, you know, <laughs> you know, but they don't do any of that. They don't really hold your hand at all. They don't set anything up. They just kind of like, just throw you into the mix. And I love mm-hmm. that about it. He has a great line too where he's talking to her, get some rest, you need to remain attractive. He says that to her. (laughs) (laughs) How about them casually dropping a nod to good time in this? Did you catch that? No. Um, They literally referenced the movie. Uh, How he's walking down the hall, his son has to pee. And he's like, uh, "Did you ever see that film, Good Time? This is this was the dad in that. He's a stand up guy. (laughs) I didn't even hear that. Yeah. Uh, another thing about Julia, I loved, she left the Madonna song on in the apartment. How oh. good is Madonna? Where is a Madonna documentary? You don't like want to ask that, you don't ask that question where I, Madonna I asking, is right now. <laughs> I have looked at Do her IG. pull up that. I'm sorry. That's, let me rephrase. I don't want to know where Madonna is right now. I have looked at her Instagram. We won't discuss it, but I want a like long form Madonna documentary. I'm just so fascinated about like, these people who were like they I mean she was like a god for years and she just reinvented herself over the years like I want to watch a long documentary pretty well done about like her history all the ins and outs from the 80s and 90s I'm just so fascinated currently about that era Dick Tracy month that and also you also want him he also wants a Michael Jackson doc yeah he wants all Remember the that docs Slim? <laughs> Seems like our DMs just aren't safe anymore, folks. You know? Yeah. You oh say my so- God, they made Michael Jackson. <laughs> All I said was, I want, I need like a, a documentary on these, on this era. Like Michael Jackson was in this era. And again, there are documentaries out there. I know some of them were like exposés, but like I want something that includes an expose, but like everything before as well. Ken Burns. 
please. What, what is Ken Burns even doing right now? How many Vietnam docs can you do? Right? It's a lot to talk about. <sighs> All 40 Faceless. hours of that Vietnam doc. I remember when that came out, it was so hard to watch that show if you didn't have cable. Or if you were tired. Proto, <laughs> <laughs> uh, final point. Oh, final point. Well, let's talk about the ending. I still feel like conflicted about the ending. Uh, I guess I want answers <laughs> as to why the guy kills them, kills Howard. And obviously, and I guess it, it, it might be as simple as that. He's just, he's a, you know, he's a live wire. He's a hothead. And he's just had it up to, up to it with Howard. And maybe that's it. Like, you know, Howard has, um, you know, he, he's, he's pushed it far with everyone in his life. And like, he's finally pushed it too far with somebody who just won't take it. Mm -hmm. Um, like the, like the moxie that Howard has when he slaps that guy in the <laughs> office, it's like, dude, this guy yesterday, he could karate chopped you in the throat, punched you in the nose, and then threw you into a fountain. Hmm. And he's in your office now asking for God knows how much money, like over a hundred K and you're going to slap him in the face. <laughs> That's so insane. Yeah. But I, that whole sequence, I mean, it's amazing where he has them in the man trap. Um, but the fact that he comes out and shoots them, it's so jarring. Uh, and maybe that's maybe that's the whole point of it. But I'm curious as to how you guys feel about it. I remember being like shocked when it first happened, when I first saw it. But it like even on this rewatch, it makes total sense. Like he, I think that's just like his personality. He's surrounded by people that let his behavior happen constantly. Like the only person that got tired of it was the dude that like quit. Remember at the beginning of the movie when he like mm -hmm. unpacks the fish and the opal. <laughs> but that's like just like he said, like the one guy who he probably shouldn't have effed with, that it just had enough of his BS and ends up costing him. And then he opens the door because he's so pr like proud of himself and so cocky because he won. So right, he's like, yeah. I'm untouchable, you know? So I, I, I still enjoy the ending this time around. I think by this point, I'm hooking myself up to an IV, getting fluids, my blood pressure's through the roof. So at uh, him coming out and pulling the trigger... I knew it was coming again, but it still is so shocking. Like it's it's just there's no pause, there's no slow motion, there's no um Howie getting one more chance to talk his way out of something. Like this is the end of the rope. This guy is just gonna pull the trigger. And mm -hmm. I it, it is so visceral. It's not even like it's not even like hard, like it's not even hard to watch. I don't I, that, that that if that makes sense. Like it's not even like gory or his head doesn't like explode from the gunshot. Like it's 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 just a bullet, and there's a pan up to the amazing shot with the mirrors, and it it just it, it's such a it's such a weird like relief. Like it's like a good <laughs> relief. I don't know how to mm. explain that. Like the movie's done, he's dead. It's that all over. Free. The bet lands. She gets the money and she gets out of there. Like everything kind of comes to a head, and we don't have to watch this guy stressing me out for another thirty minutes <laughs> to an hour. Um, it's really weird. It's a weird feeling at the end. Mm -hmm. We haven't even talked about the auction scene. Remember oh, that whole thing. Grow up. Oh my god, Judd Hirsch. How he like call? Remember he like has that girl call up her boss and then. Oh my gosh, I can't, I can't, these conversations. And then he like lies and says, she says to take out the insert 
And then she picks up the phone. He's like, who, who are you calling? What are you doing? <laughs> I'm I love calling the, her about a separate topic. <laughs> the, the king of fake phone calls. He does like four in this movie. Yes. I think they all fail, but he still goes for it. Mm-hmm. So great. When he's out on the street and he's like, oh yeah, let me call KG right now. Hey, KG. All right. I got, you got the jet. Yeah. You got the cash. Oh, and then he God. grabs the phone from him and he's not even on it. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Uh, final point. Uh, we went through all mine. So I guess Danny, right? Danny's final point. Um, my final point was going to be the ending. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I wanted to bring up. Uh, the, the scenes with Adina and the kids when they're driving back before the kid has to pee at the apartment, just knowing that your dad and your husband has an apartment in the city, like she, there's like that tension between her sitting in the passenger seat and she's just kind of like looking forward Mm -hmm. and is like, Oh, just let the kid go up and pee. Like I'm, I'm stressed out just (laughs) watching that, that whole thing transpire. The kids asking about the uh, Julia in the apartment about the hot girlfriend or whatever. It's not mom, is it? Or something. It's just these conversations kill me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He thought he was smart and had him use a different apartment's bathroom. Like the lengths he was going to, to oh my gosh. avoid bringing his son into that apartment, knocking on strangers' doors. Just to <laughs> oh have him God. pee. Yeah. He lies as easy, as easily as he breathes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like just without even thinking about it. Yeah. It's a nice apartment. Must be nice. Um, honorable mentions final rating Proto Alexis let's see oh the, the scene where um, KG first comes in and he pulls out the the opal and he's showing it to him um, I love that whole sequence I think he says old school middle earth about the, the opal that's an amazing line <laughs> there's a couple of lines I wrote down too from that scene he's like you can see the whole universe in an opal that's how fucking old it is dinosaurs <laughs> looked at this shit yeah, the dinosaurs. Um, <laughs> watching the game laying on his kid's floor, and the kid just like looking up at him, and he's like he's pumping to himself. <laughs> like the way he watches sports, like I cannot, I mm. cannot imagine. Oh my, it's it looks so painful the way he watches sports. Yeah. Um. Oh my God. I, if I got my father-in-law. To drop a hundred and ninety thousand oh by accident, God! Like, how do you go on? I mean, he 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 arrived and left in a in a nice car with a driver, yeah, though that rolls right. The Phantom. Yeah, maybe that's like still, ten grand for normies. <laughs> but the fact that it's like now he's in a hundred and ninety dollar, you know, K hole again. Like he just added that to his debt immediately. <laughs> like mm-hmm. now he has to pay this back too, and then only fun. sold it for one seventy five. Right. And then yeah. took ten thousand off for the fee. It's mm-hmm. just like he's still no matter what he's in the hole. Yeah, and the fact that at no point that he thinks like, well, maybe I should try to sell off some of my supply. You know, he has a jewelry store; it's full of stuff. But mm-hmm. like, maybe that's the case. Like, may- he maybe he just has no cash at all yeah. with anything. Well, like, he was selling his buddy's strapped. watches. Remember, he like. St- was supposed to be just storing the like stolen mm-hmm. or fake watches. Oh, and yeah. then he realized that like half of them were gone. God. Yeah. Damani like freaking out in his office. 
Um, yeah, I didn't when I saw this, I didn't even know who Lakeith Stanfield is. Um, but I've seen a few more movies with him now. Sorry to mm-hmm. bother you. Um, I saw something else he was in. Um, but I, I love him too. And we said it before, like the cast is just dynamite. It's like everybody mm-hmm. is so good. I think even KG is amazing. Like yeah, that scene KG's of him great. in the office is so good. They're both they just the the chemistry they have. Um, oh, Haunted Mansion, you probably are, uh, just oh, saw him yeah, in. Oh, yeah, Haunted Mansion. He was in Get Out. He was in Knives Out. Atlanta is what I knew him from before. Mm. Yeah, I'm bumping this up to five stars. Oh, okay. I really Gosh. love this movie. I think it's okay. it's incredible. It really is incredible to me, every, every aspect of it. And I, fortunately for me, I don't feel stressed when I watch this. I just kind of en- enjoy the craziness of it. So for me, it's just a fantastic time. Um and I should buy the 4K. Oh, mm. gosh. I posted an IG story of me kissing this thing earlier. Did you? It's beautiful. Boomerang. Public? Remember boomerangs? Public or the, friend, the, the fans? Friends. <laughs> it was public. It wasn't close friends. My gosh. Public kissing boomerang. Boomerangs are coming back. I'm going to bring them back. Thank you. I, I always forget about them. His, my, one of my first lines is his voice and in caps, KG, yeah? <laughs> also the watches I mean he's he's throwing around those wrapped Rolexes Jeez. just like the fake wrapped Rolexes hi caramba um I still have no idea what a parlay is and I don't care to hear an explanation about it don't even bother responding to that statement anyone whether that be in a letterbox comment or otherwise um how about when he slaps the smoothie out of her hands Oh my God. Yeesh. Come on, Howie. Come on. Uh, um, when she says that piece of clothing would look good on him, I was like, man, I wrote this in my review. If Mana ever told me that some piece of clothing would look good on me, mm. I, n- no one could ever stop me in this <laughs> life. I would, I'd, I'd be invincible if she ever said something like that. I'm going to send her a handwritten letter about this. Um, the glasses scene where he, he and KG in the office, just total icon scene. And it's crazy, like, not knowing what happens. Like, on a first time viewing, and you don't you don't know what the F is going to happen. Yeah. You have no clue how this is going to end up. That is so amazing. Five bang. Again. Oh, my yes. gosh. Insta five bang. Danny? Um, let's see. Before Sandler did, started filming, he had 49 nights of stand-up. Dang. Wow. Um, what the heck is Adam was, Sandler doing stand-up about, you think? I, don't I have even, no clue. <laughs> I don't even want to know. <laughs> AF4, A24's highest grossing film until Everything Everywhere came out. Oh. Which is crazy. Hmm. Um, I had this originally at four and a half stars. <laughs> and I... Th- <laughs> it's hard because... Um, yeah, it's it's such a perfectly made film. So it's got to be a five star. Okay. Wow. Yep. We did it. Wow, 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 wow. Congratulations but to also, everyone. I'm never watching this film again. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it anymore. Yeah, someone My heart ch- can't take it. Someone in chat said it was surprising that this is like only on the one million watch list. But I almost like for most people, this doesn't feel like a rewatchable movie. You know, even if they like really like it. I don't know how rewatchable it is. That's just, I don't know, it's just a thought. 
I do want to get the criterion. So, I mean, I don't know if there's enough back matter to watch through as well to see the making of. I don't know what's in it. Um, I did not have time to go through. There's an audio commentary featuring the Safties, writer and editor Ronald Bronstein, and producer Sebastian Bear McClard. There's also interviews with uh, some of the crew, cinematographer, costume designer, production design. Screen test featuring actors Adam Sandler and Julia Fox. 2020 short film featuring the Safties. So, a bunch of other stuff. A full performance of The Morning by The Weeknd. So there you have it. That could push you over the edge. I saw Julia Fox. She had a memoir that came out last year. Uh, it's kind of interesting how she's kind of still like she's hasn't become like an actress, but she somehow stayed within like the public sphere as like mm-hmm. a celebrity person, right? Internet personality, celebrity. Yeah, I mean, there was a she had a little stint with Kanye during his. Oh, I forgot about that. Not fun oh. times, which is I still have, going on, but no comment. Yeah, on, we on, have some on, letters yeah. to get to. Some VMs. Let's do it. Michael sent us a letter. Let me take a quick drink. You can send us one at letters at... Yeah, no, that's not it. Is it? No. 70mmpod at gmail.com. Thank that's you. the email. I was thinking of the old paper keg email. Uncut gems in all-time classic question mark. Hey, Danny Proto and Slim. Uncut gems. I'm not going to say it like Julia Fox did. Whatever that quote was. Jams. Hell yes, this movie was in my top four for a long time when I started really getting, quote, into movies. It's one of the most stressful movies in terms of pacing, but it's also so funny, beautiful, and entertaining. Adam Sandler's performance is absolutely legendary and horribly snubbed, and I love how the Safdies cast background characters so that they can just be themselves. Julia Fox and Lakeith Stanfield deliver really unique, great performances, and how about Kevin Garnett playing himself? It feels like such an Adam Sandler move to cast a celebrity as himself, but the way Garnett's performance ties in with the real-life 2012 Eastern Conference semifinal footage was masterful. Also, how about that weekend concert? The vibes in that scene with the neon and the music? So sexy. Mm. This movie means something special to me because when I saw it in theaters, I hated it. I think I just thought it was a bad time and couldn't look past how stressed out it made me. I also thought the ending was such a letdown, although now I think it's brilliant. The experience taught me to always question myself and to give movies a second chance from time to time while always remembering just how much work goes into bringing a film to life. Maybe this has been asked before, but are there any noteworthy movies that you absolutely hated at first, which you now see as masterpieces? Sending love to all the fans out there, and thanks, as always, for hosting my favorite podcast ever. Love, Michael underscore F47PS. I really hope you like the Hunger Games movies. And if you don't, I'm so sorry. Mm. Thank you, Michael. Great letter. I think one of the most valuable pieces uh, someone can learn is to ask themselves if they're wrong. That's not just about movies. It's about everything in life. Am I wrong? Mm. Could I be wrong? I mean, literally, you can do anything if you ask yourself that question. Goodness. (sighs) True. Danny, is there any movie that on a rewatch uh, you liked a lot more? I was trying to think. I don't I don't know if there is anything that's like coming up specifically. Interstellar comes to mind for me. Oh. Remember yeah, that? that's a big one for you. Huge. <laughs> Am I wrong? Question mark. <laughs> 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 
Yeah, I don't have anything. Do you have anything, Proto? Yeah, I can't think of it. I know there's something. There's got to be something. Should be a letterbox uh, feature where you can see what the biggest difference in ratings on a rewatch is. Maybe someone can make an app for that using the API or something. A movie I'd love to go back to that I think I'd have a change of heart is as Gosford Park, which is a Robert Altman movie. And I saw that before I knew like I'd seen any other Robert Altman or I knew what what he was all about. And I think I was like a teenager. So I was just like, this movie's so weird. So I'd love to return to that because I think I'd probably really like it in the way that I like Altman I didn't, now. I didn't know that Altman directed that. I've, I remember that poster. That must be a West Coast era movie because that poster is like burned into my skull. Yeah, that's one of his last movies. Hey guys, it's Shantana. Uh, just calling in because it is a week of one of my favorite movies of all time, Uncut Gems. Uh, Uncut Gems is a weirdly special one for me. It's the release date of when my son was born on December 14th. And we were lucky. We were lucky he wasn't born on the 13th, Taylor Swift's birthday. And it was also Friday the 13th, so that's never a good day. But Uncut Gems Day is one of the best, and Uncut Gems is one of the best movies. True. Uh, Adam Sandler's phenomenal in it. He's proven time and time again that he can do comedy however he likes, and he can act however he likes as well. And he did the same with Paul Thomas Anderson in Punch Drunk Love. Um, and now he's crowned the Safties, I guess, as some of the best young filmmakers alive right now with such a great movie. So thanks for covering Uncut Gems. And if you didn't like the movie, I disagree. <laughs> I disagree, Danny. Or I disagree. I disagree. Or but I hope you guys loved it. Thanks. I had that quote in my notes too. I disagree. <laughs> Friday the 13th, that's been debunked. That's mm-hmm. an old wives' old tale. Wives, so. That the Friday the 13th is bad luck. You know? Name 50 things that have happened badly on Friday the 13th. Mm. Can you? Can anyone? I'm not even going to try. <laughs> Next VM comes in from Tom with an H. Uncut Gems. Hello. Hey, boys. Uh, <laughs> great to have you back. I'm just phoning in to let you know what I thought of Uncut Gems. Let it out. Uh, it's Tom Nook from the UK, by the way. And Happy New Year, too. Thank you. Gosh, I should really write this down while I'm recording. <laughs> um, anyway, I thought this was really an overly long, big fat nothing burger. Oh, God. I didn't wow. understand why it was styled like it was filmed in the 80s when oh, it was set in the modern day. So I would give it a very average two and a half stars. Oh, my God. That's it. That's the VM just ended. That's oh, it's over. Tom with an H. Thank you, Tom. It's okay because, as we know, Tom isn't real. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, wow. Okay, very strong words in that VM. We have another letter to get to before we wrap up. Logan writes a letter to the show. Trainer asks, "Is twenty years ago modern day?" I was thinking about this before. I was driving my wife's car I can't connect my phone to it so I turned on the radio and it was like 80s music and I remember when I was younger it was 
you know, I just feel like the 80s still don't feel that far away or any of those era. Like, it's all still just called cla- like classic music, like 70s rock. Mm. Isn't it still just called like classic rock? Like, nothing has really changed. It just still feels the same distance away. Right? Yeah. Well, it's crazy to think that like for teenagers now, that's like the 50s to them, mm-hmm. what like the 80s were to us or yeah. what like the 50s were to us, you know? I don't know what I'm saying, but you know what No, I, mean. I would thought the same thing. I remember like, well, yeah. if I was a kid in the 90s, how long ago was the 50s? It I don't I don't like I don't like mm. thinking about that stuff. The math is very difficult. I'm so stressed right now. I also don't like math. All right, let's get back to Logan, please. <clears throat> Subject line, letter to the show. Dear 70mm host, thank you for covering one of my favorite movies this week. Take that, Tom. Many critics considered the match cut in 2001 A Space Odyssey to be one of the greatest edits in film history. Kubrick seamlessly jumps across millions of years. A prehistoric bone hurtling through the air cuts to a futuristic satellite orbiting Earth. Soundtracked by the graceful strings of Johann Strauss's The Blue Danube Waltz. However, Kubrick was dethroned in 2019 when the sibling director duo, the Safdie brothers, elegantly transitioned from a beautiful black opal gem to the 4K Dolby picture crystal clear colonoscopy of the great thespian Adam (laughs) Richard Sandler. This intimate introduction to the main protagonist, Howard Ratner, might be considered the greatest edit in film history. Some might call it jarring. Others might say... What are you watching, Logan? Please turn this off so I can watch Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. And I say, this is cinema. Also want to remind all listeners 45 and older to schedule their annual colonoscopy. Uncut Gems, five stars. That comes from Logan. Thank you, Logan. Thank you. That was a great great letter. For a second, I thought that letter was a week too soon. (laughs) (laughs) So did I. If you're listening right now, maybe you're under 45. Maybe it's still... A good idea to get a colonoscopy scheduled. FYI. Oh boy. Next week. I mean, we're doing Parasite. We're doing Uncut we're Gems. We're doing 2001 A Space Odyssey next week. I, I can't believe this. It's ridiculous. Okay. Fulous. Mm. It's ridiculous. Sorry, everybody. Thank you. <laughs> like that. that sounds better in text than it does in actual spoken out loud. Dana, are you excited for 2001? Did you get the 4K lined up? I have the 4K lined up. I'm very excited to watch it. Um, I actually, I was trying to think, I don't know the two of you, your thoughts on it. I don't think we've ever actually kind of talked. Discussed it? 2001 very much. Um, but I'm trying, to, I'm trying to see when the last time I logged it. I don't have it logged. Yeah, I saw that. Good heavens. Um, so, I'm, yeah, I'm excited for the two of you to watch it. Okay. Bart, how are you feeling? Get a vibe Yeah, check. I'm excited. I mean, this, I haven't watched this since uh, LB. So, this is BLB, my yeah, last yeah. viewing. Um, yeah, I can't wait. Maybe try to get a hold of this 4K. Do it it's right. actually a pretty cheap 4K, just to let you get know. it for $2. I see, it's like, yeah, it's like 12 bucks on Amazon. I might, I might just do it. I, I'm not sure if there's ever been like an expensive collection of it, like a box, something, because the one I always see is just like a flimsy, you know, case with a disc in it. I don't even know if there's mm-hmm. an insert in it. That's the one I have. There's nothing in it. I wonder if there's like a more expensive, you know, absurdly priced with like a book or something in it. Be nice. It's got to be. A little book. 
so I can spend some real money. <laughs> what can I pawn off for a few days to get a boxed 2001 no. 4K? Uh, Proto, closing thoughts this week. Yeah, you know, I was uh, I went for a run this morning. And I don't really, I haven't really done this a lot. Uh, and I was thinking about, you know, New Year's resolutions that people probably have. You know, and this might be the time, it's January 11th, where you're down on yourself because you had a resolution and you've already failed. But you know what? I've been trying to run consistently as long as I can remember, maybe 15 years. Mm. And there's sometimes a year will go by and I maybe ran 10 times, 20. Like, I like suck. Like, I can't even run once a week sometimes. Goodness. Um, but I just want to say, you know, if you're out there and you're feeling down about any kind of plans you made for the new year, never give up. I'm never going to give up on trying to run. And I might fail every year, but I'm, I'm still going to try. So keep trying. <sighs> never give up. 70 millimeter 5K went. That's the question. Let's, put it, let's get Sos on the line. Get our team on it. <laughs> we'll see everybody next week for 2001 A Space Odyssey. Millimeter is a tape deck production featuring original artwork provided by Danny Haas. Spiritual Guidance and V'ger, the robot who loves movies, provided by Pertalexis. Producer at large, Dale underscore A. And music composed by Cinematric. Prints and other merch are available on 70mmpod.com. This episode was mixed, edited, and produced by me, Slim. Support our Patreon for access to our VHS Village Discord to talk movies with new friends, access to our exclusive episodes in the 70mm vault, discounts on merch, uncut episodes, and a physical membership card mailed to you. To check out other Tape Deck podcasts, find the link in the episode notes. And if you'd like to support our friends at Letterboxd and upgrade to pro or patron status, you can do so with a 20% off discount using the links on 70mm.com. This, this, this is a Take Back Podcast. <laughs>